The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 135. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. Say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the fifth episode of Season 7, Revisions. And I think I forgot my, uh, my rundown for this, so let me get it real quick. All right, I have it downloaded. Got it from the link. After sending a MALP to a seemingly toxic planet, the SGC discovers an inhabited dome. SG-1 travels to the planet to investigate, utilizing hazmat suits to enter the dome, and they find a lush, habitable environment inside. They encounter a society of survivors reliant on a wearable device that allows them to connect to a central computer system called The Link, which controls their knowledge and their memories. The inhabitants are friendly and agree to share their knowledge of their technology. While analyzing the system, Carter discovers that the force field comprising the dome is weakening, and after confronting the inhabitants about it, SG-1 realizes that the Link manipulates the population's perceptions to hide the failing environment, erasing memories to cover up the loss of those killed by the shrinking dome. Racing against time, and the shrinking dome, and the Link's manipulation of the populace, they attempt to reprogram the Link, eventually freeing the villagers from its control. With the dome failing, SG-1 assists in the relocation of the populace. What are your thoughts on this episode, Father? I like this one. This is a, you know, it's a good story and they kind of do, you know, they're, they're getting more into the, the sci-fi advanced tech and, and the consequences of it. Um, it's a good warning for us why we really don't want to enter, enter the metaverse if we can help it. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it feels like even just without having the link, uh, just with having the internet, there's plenty of memory holes that go to go around just in our world today. So it's a good warning about that as well as, you know, ensuring that we don't just rely on technology by other people, but we have, you know, backups like, you know, say like DVDs of your favorite TV shows like Stargate in case it comes off of one streaming service instead of another. Things like that. Definitely. I was going to say, uh, apropos of nothing, uh, Neuralink, Elon Musk yeah. company has is starting their uh, applications right. for human trials. So yep. not related to this episode at all. Not at all. <laughs> not a sponsor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice if we could, they could. What are your thoughts on this episode, Lisa? I'm with I'm with Father Corey. I like it. It to me, it feels, um, you know, just it's what they do best. It's like the planet of the week, and oh no, it's like everyone's friendly, and then oh no, there's a problem, and um, we're just it's it's really our good the four main characters of SG One back together. And doing what they do best and figuring it out, solving the problem and, you know, safely evacuating everyone to somewhere else. So, and, and, yep. um, O'Neill gets to interact with a kid and Carter gets to do techno babble and Daniel gets to read old newspapers in a foreign language. And 
I'm not sure what Tilk did. Tilk has to walk around and (laughs) raise his eyebrow at things. Be a sounding board. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I like it. I feel like it's the, it's a good old standard of uh, Stargate. Mm, Definitely. What about you, Victor? Yeah, I really like this episode too. It's, it's a standout for me. Definitely a very memorable episode. Um, A really good work of speculative fiction. It could have been, you know, a Twilight Zone episode or an outer, outer Limit episode, even just in terms of like the horrible implications of of what's actually going on to to the people in this in this planet. Yeah, so I I do like it. It works as a Stargate episode. Uh, li- like you said, it it it's kind of like there's that meme of all like the you know the generic you know NPC people all parroting whatever the current trend is, and then someone takes a chip out of their head and puts in a new chip, and they start parroting the new current trend yeah so you, you don't even need advanced uh technology you just need a you know a media or or you know mass uh broadcasting but no i, I like this one a lot the ending so what I, what I do like is that there's a number of twists along the way and when we talked to joseph malazzi he mentioned that you know he always tries to put you know a twist into his episode and this one has has several and they all work what what doesn't work as well for me is is when they try to put a positive spin on the end, you know, and they're talking to Palin and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you had, you had a wife and she died and you never knew her. And he's like, gosh, that's that's like horrible. But then he's smiling. He's like, well, tell me about her. You know, and it, yeah. it's like it's like actually you need like counseling because your whole life has been a lie. You've been, you've, you've been living on the gaslight planet your entire life. So, yeah. Yeah. And maybe let's get out of this dome that could fail at any time. <laughs> and then talk about this. Well, they never he, really he did say, say yeah. right that he wishes he was like the others, and he didn't even know he'd lost somebody. So mm-hmm. he did say, like, "Darn you for telling me about this wife that I didn't know I had, and now oh, I'm like, mourning someone I never knew." Yeah, I mean, they were able to reprogram their memories. Like, they could probably just do a <laughs> quick one and done with him if he wanted. Like memory yeah. wipe him, or just yeah. like. Like back up to two days before, like just yeah. restore that particular <laughs> yeah. backup. Restore. Yeah, bring out the old backup tapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Um, it did definitely feel like a Twilight Zone episode, like you were saying, Victor. Um, especially just with the way the sets were done. Um, it just had that kind of classic vibe. One other thing that I I thought was funny was. Uh, the kid when he's asking uh, Jack how many planets have they been to, I'm like have you been to ten planets, have you been to twenty planets, have you been to thirty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. I have a, I have an eight year old so uh, or a seven year old and I, yeah. I get that on the daily. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple things that I thought that like they did a good job with the misdirection. Like as soon as the kid shows up, like I just got Damien vibes, but I'm glad that he was actually not evil. (laughs) Um, And I also like that because as soon as you, they start out, they get here, you know, there's going to be something sinister going on because you can never come to a planet like this and have everything just be okay. (laughs) But I appreciate that they didn't make the people themselves evil. Like it wasn't some sort of dark yeah. conspiracy. They were mm-hmm. just as much victims of what was going on. So I'm happy that they kind of flipped that around. Yep. And even when it gets the darkest and the, and the machine realizes, you know, what's going on and needs to stop, you know, at the SGC, mm-hmm. it doesn't resort to turning the villagers into a mob with, you know, pitchforks. It just, you know, who's going to kill the SGC or push them outside the dome. It's basically just 
you know, here, put these link things on. Right. Yeah. Which at that, then at that point, the computer could, could kill them by just marching them outside the dome. But, you know, the pe- it, it doesn't resort to, you know, the purge well, or the something, computer, you know. I don't think the computer wanted to kill them. You know, that that's the thing is the computer, mm-hmm. even though it was killing people to keep the population down, it wasn't doing it in like a malicious way. It was doing it as a, in a computer mindset of is right now the dome can only sustain a thousand people. We've got a thousand and one. Therefore, one person must go. Who is it? Mm-hmm. Who is yeah. the least advantageous to keep? You know, who's the one that we can get rid of the easiest or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. most useless to our society, you know, so I, I can't even see. And it's the woman who sits on the home association, the uh, yeah, exactly. association board. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you're saying the computer is the hero. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. The, the computer. But then it gets rid of yeah. the librarian. So, I mean. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, and we don't ever get like a scene where the computer has any sort of voice or acts as a mm-hmm. like a sentient being. It's more just it's acting as a pure brute system. Like this is these are the calculations it takes in and this is what it needs to do to keep mm-hmm. running. And I like that, but I do feel like that was where the episode was lacking the most. Like you think they would have built in some sort of fail safe for this kind of thing? Like where at what point did the computer start deciding to erase people's memories and mm-hmm. take that upon itself like you don't well, get a oh this is yeah, where 200 years ago at least yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's that's but, where the you know the and what's sad if you think about it where okay it started cooling down 200 years ago which means it started producing less power means it kept shrinking and then eventually it's like okay i can't the computer's in there thinking i can't shrink any further with as many people as i have so mm-hmm. let's you know now's the time to get rid of the elderly, the infirm and so on. And eventually mm-hmm. run out of those. And then yeah. from there. Yeah. They did mention that up until about 200 years ago, the population was a hundred thousand and now they're down to around 1300. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. another kind of emotional, like gut punch. So they're like, Oh yeah, this has been going on for a long time. And it's a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. So where were the people that created the system? If you think about it, they'd been down there for at least 400 years. And so at some point they lost people that had the technological well, know-how the- of what was actually that the, you know, that the computer was in charge. And I, I don't know, you know, it's like, was that the computer getting rid of those people and just leaving well, you know, it, with the it, link it, that they say, just they just forget anything else is going on? Yeah. Well, they did say that, um, you know, 400 years ago, they saw that the planet was was becoming to- the atmosphere in the planet was becoming mm-hmm. toxic. And so a group of people are the ones who created the dome 400 years ago. But so of course those people have since died whether right. because the computer pushed them out of the dome or uh just old age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a typical like doomsday bunker I think type situation where you could it sounded like you could buy your way in given the contracts they they mentioned. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I mean after a generation once people who had learned things by reading and by actually doing things, you know, died off, everybody at that point is, has all their skills and stuff mm-hmm. from the link. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's really no need to learn how to do anything manually anymore. And so, I mean, right. there are cases even now where in a generation we've forgotten, like, how to do things. If there's not a YouTube video of someone, you know, <laughs> smithing a buggy whip or whatever, you know, like, we just don't know how to, how to do it anymore. Is that what's behind the homesteading movement where everyone's out like on the washer board, like washing clothes in the backyard? 
for fun is like sure. everyone's just trying to keep those skills up. I fun don't is know. a word well, for it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's for the gram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there is, there is, um, kind of the the homesteading movement where they they do try to recover older skills, you know, survival skills and things like that, and that's not a bad thing because no, let's not be honest. All. You know, we there could be we've seen it already when times where regions of our uh, power grid go down for mm-hmm. days, uh, storms move in, fires, whatever it might be, you know, and so. And I think that's why a lot of people do that, you know, to have the capability. Now you can start getting into the, the, the real radical ones where they're like bunkering up because they're gonna they're gonna overthrow the government. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I've I've made soap out of my leftover bacon grease. Who hasn't? But uh, do you have a manifesto? Just kidding. <laughs> I made I made eggs in my leftover bacon grease. Uh, no, yeah, count. <laughs> no. Once I like, you know. You know, clarify the grease and stuff. It actually made really good soap. So if you have oh. bacon grease, save it up. Um, you know, filter it really well. Get yourself some of that uh, sodium hydrochloride or whatever it is. Don't I mean, look at a YouTube video or something. But you can make some really, and then you can give it away to your to your friends and family as as Christmas gifts and say, Important I made question. this out of. Does it smell like bacon? No, it doesn't because you put like I put peppermint essential oil in it and stuff. <sighs> And so it's better like if peppermint. your soap smelled like bacon, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I have four. You go dogs. to work and everyone's to, like, Do you that's, smell that's, that's, "That's this is this is Dad's soap. It smells like bacon." Yeah, I don't need with with all the dogs. I don't need to smell like like food to them. So <laughs> so, so basically enemies. this. Yeah. This episode is a warning that we yes. need to do more of that because we could end up in a dome mm. that's killing us off. Yes, a fifteen-minute dome. Yeah, there's actually a, um, I was listening to, I uh, can't remember who it was, but they were talking about like in the event of a cataclysm where our civilization ends, the people who are going to survive are going to be the hunter-gatherer societies that still live in the Amazon. And then whoever can like team up with them, they're going to rebuild society. But anyone with it, like advanced, like living in our advanced society with no real actual survival skills, we're all going to be fodder for the zombies, I guess. They're always uh, going to need network technicians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe on a yeah. North Sentinel Island they need uh they need their cables managed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, all I can say is there's a lot of people out here in Montana, they'll survive the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting also that this episode I, I think came out in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. And I think like MySpace was around and it was a couple of years before Facebook, but this really, this was before like Twitter and TikTok and all the other mm-hmm. brain rot that's out there now. And it's interesting how, like how accurate it is to how, how those social media causes go where people mm-hmm. just flip a switch mm-hmm. based on what someone tells them and they put their little emoji icon of whatever flag is important I'm, that much. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm flying things. this flag this week. Oh, now there's a yeah. new war I got to do or a new ribbon I've got to put on or... That's because people, people are people like the society, the way people interact with each other. You know, you study sociology, people haven't changed. Mm-hmm. It's just the mm-hmm. tools and the technology has changed. But whether we're, you know, back in the day of everyone reading a newspaper or everyone's online on social media, kind of like what you see here, it, it's just the tools that have changed. But people are still people. Yep. Group think has true. been around forever. Very true tribalism is built into our dna mm-hmm. and sometimes into our neuralinks 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Carter when they, they're like, here, try this. And Daniel's like, okay. And he's about to put it on. And Carter's yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might not be compatible with our sure. brain waves. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to say they've learned a few things in six and a half years. <laughs> And I feel like Daniel's definitely the one who would just be like, sure, I'll try it out. I got in that sarcophagus and nothing yeah. bad happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I can learn all kinds of good stuff from this thing. Absolutely. Right. What? Instant knowledge? Okay. Yeah. See see next episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the woman, though, that's handing him, was it Avala? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in Touchstone. Oh, yeah. She, she, she was the, the one with the weather. Chiefs. Missing weather oh, thing, yeah, and she's in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, she was yeah. the hybrid in Battlestar the hybrid, Galactica. Yeah. Oh, that's where I recognize her from. I knew she looked familiar. There was one scene where she was talking, and all I could picture was her laying in that goo in mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, like her just her face, you know. And yep. uh, it just it, it just suddenly kind of I didn't even realize it, and then I'm like, she's the she's the chick in the goo the in goo Battlestar yeah. Galactica. <laughs> she's yeah. like the one that controls the ships. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. It's there's like ten different shows that pretty much every single actor has been on. If you mm-hmm. look at them all, yes. Yeah. And speaking of recurring sci-fi actors, yes. we yeah. get a Christopher Haredale in, in this in this episode. Who one of the few times he's not in face mask and yeah, paint. yeah, that's right. It, it was a treat to see him working with Amanda Tapping because, of course, the two of them co-star on that Sanctuary show that she did mm-hmm. and, and produced uh, after leaving Stargate. And well, again, doesn't and, he also interact with her on Atlantis? Yeah, he plays mm-hmm. uh, Todd the Wraith. Yep. So one of the mm-hmm. one of the most beloved anti-hero frenemies. Yeah. <laughs> on Atlantis, so he's the one that does the the handshake. It's a wraith yeah. joke. Let me shake yeah. your hand. Yeah, yeah. it's a wraith joke. <laughs> yeah, so that's something to look forward to and get into Atlantis. I, it takes, I think, it's a few uh, a little ways in before we see him, mm-hmm. but. No, yeah. he's, he plays another main character on Atlantis in the very beginning. Oh, the, 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 that's right. The, the chief. Um, right. Uh, the, the father of the boy and the... Uh, yeah. Gosh, I can't think of his yeah, name I can't on the show. Yeah, Rachel Levine's character. Yeah. Yeah. But he's... Yeah, he's, he's right there from the beginning. Uh, yeah. I can't find his name. But yeah, you're right. We do see him um, very early well, we on. We also have one, one, more, returning, one more returning actor. Uh, Peter LaCroix played yeah. Kendrick. He was mm-hmm. the Ashrak that went against Jolinar. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. You, I can see him now in the beret and then the yep. uniform and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he's been I thought he the, looked familiar and I couldn't place yeah. him. Yeah. So, you got a bunch uh, of the, the regular, uh, the yeah. Vancouver regulars yeah. in this one. <laughs> yep. It's like people who had a smaller part and they're like, we're going to bring you back and let you talk. Yep. You're forgetting a Christopher Heyerdahl's, uh, like star role though he apparently played rocker in the uh halle berry catwoman movie so i think that's huh. what he should be remembered for wait Did, there were other people in the halle and, berry cat movie i, I was I was, not a, I was not a priest when it yeah. came out so i could say things like that <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course i was thinking of taylor who is played by rachel luttrell not rachel levine oh, oh completely yeah. different. <laughs> No, I, I just misspoke. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, Taylor. For of course, we we are diehard Stargate fans here, so we of course know the main characters of the shows that we were talking about. 
<laughs> nice. One hundred percent. Speaking of Amanda tapping, I was watching a show uh, this last week, a current show, and it at the bottom it said directed by Amanda Tapping. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, and it, it stopped me because I was like, wait a second, is that the same Amanda Tapping? And sure enough, so it was. Uh, oh, I should have looked up what it was. It was on NBC. Hmm. Cool. Nice. Irrational. It's called Irrational. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to watch that. I'll have to. Yeah. The, the Irrational. Yeah. So she was the, uh, I looked, not every episode, just that one episode, and I just happened to see it. Yeah. She actually uh, played an angel on Supernatural as well as directing, uh, mm. it looks like, four episodes of the show, too. So she's been a director for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Seems like there's a often on the sci-fi shows there's like a pipeline from actor to director. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know that was that was a thing, and we got to get it. We got to get it in a Star Trek reference. Yeah, that's right. But that was a thing in Star Trek um, <laughs> where they actually encouraged certain actors like uh, Jonathan Frakes, Lavar Burton, a couple others to start directing while they were acting on mm-hmm. those shows, so they could learn the learn the ropes. I was going to say, like, Jonathan Frakes, like, that's mainly what he does now. And yeah. he's done a lot with the new shows mm-hmm. as, as a director rather than an actor. Yep. Yeah, and the guy who played uh, Tom Paris. Um, you mean Nick Locarno? Robert, Robert no, Duncan McNeil. Yeah, Robert Duncan McNeil. Yeah, he's he's basically been a director. Oh, did you see Nick Locarno? Yeah, I see uh, Nick Locarno. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they look alike. Yeah. I don't no, see it. He's been a director, yeah. I mean, that's that's what he does now. And um, but yeah, no, they had a whole Paramount University, like mm-hmm. basically directing school that they would put them through. Nice. Um, I, I have a feeling on some of these like sci-fi shows, it was more like, yeah, I'll be in season eight of your show still for the same amount of money, but I want to direct two episodes or something. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think a lot of our main characters on Stargate do eventually direct at least one episode or write episodes. Yeah. yeah. That is good to see, though, because then at least it means they're getting invested in the characters and have mm-hmm. input on how the characters are. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I was going to say with uh, we don't uh, w- when they actually go outside looking for the missing people, you've got mm-hmm. like the super dystopian gaseous planet with these skeletons around where their flesh yeah. has all been eaten off <laughs> by the yep. acid. I, I like that. That was just creepy and Mm -hmm. you can assume that because it used to be much bigger there's just like fields of bones around (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) sg1 didn't see that when they were walking in (laughs) yeah no they're too busy looking elsewhere apparently Mm -hmm. they they didn't come in where the people leave because they always would leave through the village oh that's true yeah i did think that was odd that that one end of the dome is the village but then you still have this huge garden yeah, why wouldn't maybe they that's be where their sustaining food is? I don't know, yeah. but I just thought it was odd. Well, still got to get their food from somewhere. Yeah, wasn't clear how the computer gave them food, or I guess mm-hmm. they threw it. Yeah, that was another thing that I wasn't quite sure about because at one point, um, the kid tells Jack, I think it's uh, Jack and Teal to come with him. Like we're going to go back to the house, and it's in a different location than it used to be mm-hmm. at. And mm-hmm. they go, and everything's already set up, and it's there. And later on, when the MALP disappears, they show where it was. And there's that weird statue thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still there, but the MALP is gone. So is everything 
in the dome is it like a holodeck where everything is generated and the buildings have dynamically changed like it wasn't clear on that i i don't think so i i, I think i don't know because yeah. you don't see like the remnants of that the town outside of it you see remnants of a town of a city right, right. but not that town yeah. so that possibly is you know i think the the villa the structures in the village are real the plants i think everything inside the dome is real but the surface of the dome is a projection okay and so when when he says you know now our house is over here it's because the dome has shrunk and their previous where they stayed the previous night is now mm-hmm. outside the dome and so they have to all be and programmed the, to think this is their house and the computer probably, probably easily programmed to move your stuff from one or to someone the other. or yeah got someone to do it and told a villager hey move this and then forget about it but yeah <laughs> so when they can't see the map it's just because like it's it's outside the projection that's on the, the wall of the dome. okay and then the weird statue thing could just be a projection where it used to be I yeah guess. Mm-hmm. because they don't want to yeah. look out and see and they mentioned this the, yeah the computer yeah, keeps us from it. seeing like the horrific mm-hmm. hellscape of skeleton bones yep. that's on the other side and also not to remind us that we're trapped in this bubble. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. looks like it goes on much further. Otherwise yeah. you get bubble fever and just want to, you just want to run out. Like you get <laughs> bubble madness. Apparently when the dome gets small enough, you get trapped in there with a U2 way past their prime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or it's just like Fortnite. He first, they first saw Fortnite and like the shrinking, uh, Oh yeah. Bubble that you have to. I wonder if this is where Fortnite got the idea. Probably. I think I think all of Epic Games got their ideas from from Stargate. That works. Um, but I do like <laughs> I do like the setting here. Uh, you know, it was shot in Fantasy Gardens, which is kind of a medieval abandoned. It's an abandoned amusement park with a medieval theme. It wasn't built in the Middle Ages, but right. um, in British Columbia there. So, yeah, we've we've seen that that set before. Mm-hmm. We've seen that when it was a medieval village. Yeah, one time at least, probably in maybe in Demons or something that we see. I don't know, but. Yeah, it might yeah. be one, one, but but we get that really of ev- effective, like you know, brick wall, like that's the mm-hmm. that's the projection, and that's the end of the dome. And a couple times you see people turn down that alleyway and then disappear. Or yep. I forget if one time we see him actually. Yeah, with the council member, I think we see her like just walk through the wall. And no, disappear. we don't see her walk because that's okay. one. That's the first time we see someone just disappear. Okay. So, yeah. Who, no, it wasn't. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't the council member. The council Ivala. member was the one that we saw Ivala walk goes through the, down. The, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Avala just dis- disappears. disappears. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I like how they say too. It's like you know the the static or something you feel against the dome is there to help. Like, kind I mean, obviously, you. if you're programming people, you don't need to. You can just program them not to walk right up to the edge or anything. But maybe it's like a safeguard. What well, you think the about static it's interesting. Kind of pressure. That, yeah, I think it's interesting that they made it that they're aware of the dome. Because I think in a lot of sci-fi shows, they would be unaware that they're trapped or that they're mm-hmm. that there is this outside city and they're you know this is the edge, but they're very aware of it, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting twist that they know they're there and they don't seem to be curious about <laughs> yeah leaving or seeing what's on the outside or you know and maybe that's the like the link changed it so we saw a volatakers off. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like the next day, it's like we take it off, we die. So yeah. maybe yep. the computer had has programmed them to not be curious. Well, and, and the link has shown them. They said there's something in there how they've seen pictures or videos mm-hmm. of it. So the link has shown them what's outside, too. And they're mm-hmm. monitoring the what's going on outside. So they know yeah. it's not still toxic or they know that it is still toxic. 
Yeah, and I like the I like the link command center. I thought that was really cool. How it's mm-hmm. the brick at the top of the stairs, and then it goes down into the you know the slick command center there. I just yeah. think it's funny that they still have technicians, you know, maintaining the com- the computer in the in the dome, and the computer is giving them false information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, so well, someone's like still got to keep it up to date, giving them fake news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean like what can they actually do if they have no idea what, what the actual reality well, yeah. of the situation is yeah but well, yeah he said like, it never changes so he doesn't yeah. have to do anything yeah i like the little scrolling code, code updates too that when yeah, they were I, I, I wonder if that was you know a lot of, lot of there was this is about the time where um people for if they wanted to show code on a screen they would just grab the linux kernel yeah and scroll it yeah i wonder if this is like the linux kernel but they use a custom font so it doesn't look like the Linux kernel, but it is. <laughs> yeah, it was based on like the way it was formatted out. It almost looked like someone just typed like the ls command and like listed the yeah. contents of a directory because it's like a bunch <laughs> of text at the top, and then you see a bunch of like one lines going down. But yeah. could, it wasn't it wasn't sharp enough to see what it actually was. But I mean, it was it was a, it was a the made up language, but you know made yeah. up letters, but still wing dings. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And also one trope that they avoided that I liked that they avoided it was like the computer, like doing the Hal thing when, when they start messing with it and like mm-hmm. yeah. the computer didn't try to shock Sam or, you know, robots came out of the walls or something. I was yeah. hoping for like a Landrew voice, but we didn't get that. Yeah. Landrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that the computer, the computer wasn't evil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The computer wasn't evil. It, 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 yeah. it was just, you know, Trying to survive, try to fulfill its function, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Never happy is never sad. It d- just runs programs. Yeah. Just kills people because it has to. Yeah. Remind me of the autopilot in WALL-E, which is basically it has its directive to never ever oh, return yeah. to Earth because Earth yep. is ruined. And even when, you know, you have evidence that Earth can support life, it's going to do everything it can to mm-hmm. to to keep the uh, the ship from going back home. Problem is in the in the programmers, not the not the system. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no if cases there. <laughs> and I also I also liked when people would get their updates, just how you know how it was filmed, where they would just like show different people, like in the council meeting, or, or various people just like kind of just like paused and mm-hmm. stuff. I went down this this morning to get my cup of coffee, and I think I shorted out somewhere between like trying to figure out to get the cup or what I needed to do first because it was very early. <laughs> And my wife, I was, I'm just standing there in the kitchen and my wife is like, are you downloading your update from the link? And I was like, I was like what? Oh yeah. Stargate. Very funny. But yeah. That's great. Nice. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of the worst feeling where you just kind of yeah. like, you know, it's like the joke. You ever stop to think and forget to start again? Yeah. All the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, did y'all have any other uh, thoughts on this episode? Nope. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that the townspeople yeah. didn't try to wreck the bunny suits. Um, <clears throat> I do like the ending where all the other SG teams come up, like show up, and they're all helping them, you know, leave mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a good episode. Very Lots of good twists. A lot of good, uh, you know, sci-fi in there and stuff. So Yeah. Just yeah, a very definitely. solid, classic SG-1 type of episode. Did we have any uh, fun alternate language titles for this, or was it uh, 
was it pretty straightforward? No, we actually we actually did on this one. Um, so uh, uh, in French, we got le réseau, which is the network. In most of them, it is it is revisions. Um, but then in in German, we got die Macht der Speichers, which is uh, the power of memory. Or the power of the link, depending on how you translate it. Nice. Yeah. Germans always got to be a little different. <laughs> they, they do on this one, yeah. And then in Hungarian, uh, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but it's, it translates to repairs. Hmm. So I thought that was cool, too. I think, it re- uh, yeah, repairs. Nice. I like revisions, too, because it, yep. obviously a writer, you know, as, as you're going through your script and, you know, changing it, you're making revisions. So that's just what mm-hmm. the computer is doing here. It's just rewriting its script. Exactly. I wonder if it's using Vim. Yeah. <laughs> or Pico. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we do have some feedback. Uh, Hammond oh, cool. commented on our YouTube on YouTube on our episode 131 on Fallen. He says, this is one of the Michael Shanks wants an acting nomination episodes of SG-1. <laughs> this and the Legacy episode, I think, are the other, I think, and the other one is Lifeboat. Shanks wanted to be the star of the show so bad, he must have been hounding the writers every single week. <laughs> Jonas was a great character and brought a refreshing tone to the series. Then we had to throw it all away while everyone just goes on and on about how amazing and perfect Daniel Jackson is. I roll. Well, I think, a great uh, <laughs> I think that we, uh, I think we know how a Hammond feels about, uh, Daniel yeah. Jackson. So uh, yeah. he's yeah. definitely on a uh, team Jonas there. Uh, yeah. I won't yeah. deny. <laughs> yeah, I won't deny that I disagree or that I agree. <laughs> yeah, no it's kind comment. of an accurate comment, though. I mean, because Lifeboat was, I think, I think Daniel, I think uh, Michael Shanks, when he came back, it was kind of in his contract that he gets some meteor episodes to try to win some awards. And he did win for Lifeboat, which is our next mm, episode. So it worked. So it worked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we really appreciate that feedback. And I miss Jonas, too. I like Daniel, but I, I do miss Jonas. Yeah. Awesome. And before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Donald W., Greg G., Stephen Z., George S., and Timothy V. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you can find the video versions at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send us feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com and follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. And I'm sure you can probably download the episodes from the link. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Lifeboat. There we go, uh, Michael Shanks. <laughs> Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And hello, Nevin. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even know how to respond to that one. (laughs) Once again, I'm Jack Berzini. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Catholics of Oz. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash
Oz. 